Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And as always, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. If you like this podcast or if you like the people who are doing this podcast or if you just like the idea of this podcast and would like to see it as an NFT. Can you do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. If you like either of your hosts, please do follow them too. You can follow myself at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamlet. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get this podcast everywhere you can get podcasts. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe, on Spotify, where we'd love you to follow, on Acast, where you can subscribe, or you can stream it through the app podcast on Twitter feed, or even on Amazon, where you won't get your birthday presents on time, but you will get your podcasts. Don't buy your cardboard cutouts from there. Get them from another sort of registered cardboard cutout provider because Amazon will miss your birthday by several days. Um, yes, anyway, you can get your podcast. You can get Podcast Horseman. And at the end of every episode, we're going to induct one new member into the Hollywood Talk of Fame. This season, our season five Hollywood Talk of Fame is being done through quote tweets. So as I said before, there will be the uh, link posted to the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed where you can stream the podcast or so you can subscribe Quote tweet that bad boy that goes up on Friday morning and you will throw yourself into the hat to be inducted into our talk of fame. A new member coming at the end of this episode. Yes, there is. And before we get going, I know we said we're all business, but we never mean it. We always <laughs> like to have a detour here or there. Because this is the part of the show where we are going to pretend, Michael, that this is happening live on Friday, which makes yes. which makes Friday the 30th of April, which mm-hmm. means... For everyone listening at home, it is the birthday of one Michael Hamflit. There you go. How about that? And yeah, I, I, as this is the radio, we're live, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, 36. I'm not sure where that puts me in Bojack Horseman's target. Don't where that puts me in Bojack Horseman's target demo or indeed Netflix's at this point, quite honestly. <laughs> I think on Netflix is you're basically dead, aren't you? That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. They're just, they're just shipping me Amelia Earhart tapes at this point. That's it. <laughs> basically, yes, you have to fly off into the sun, which is a nice segue, Michael, to this week's episode of Podcast Horseman and indeed Bojack Horseman. We are on season five, 
episode five and the Netflix synopsis is as follows. The Amelia Earhart story. Painful memories come rushing back when Princess Carolyn visits her hometown and meets a pregnant teen. A stunt goes awry on the Filbert set. Two completely contrasting statements there. And how do we know, Michael, knowing this show, they're just going to be all intertwined <laughs> together. Oh, lovely. It's, it's quite nice that they're, um, at, at this point, attaching the drag and the gag in the synopsis as a warning almost. It's come as a disclaimer rather than a shock. Um, if, you, if you're five seasons into Bojack or indeed Podcast Horseman, you should know better than to expect anything else. And it is indeed where we begin. Um, we zoom in on a luxurious house, only to then suddenly pivot to the upstairs room of the luxurious house's outhouse, a little garage thing. There's a tiny room, sort of like almost like looks like a, a secondary loft conversion on this little garage where there is young Princess Carolyn staring close up against the television amidst the chaos of her mother and some squabbling other siblings, we're left to assume. Um, young Princess Carolyn is watching her Amelia Earhart story tape, parroting every single word, obviously having watched it over and over again, um, particularly the motivational and inspirational quotes about her being able to fly off and make history and all those things. We zoom back out of the window, soundtracked by Princess Carolyn's ringtone. And uh, the present day Princess Carolyn is now in her car, staring at the garage, which is now abandoned and derelict. It's sort of slewing in trash and graffiti and things like that. It's Bojack on the phone that snapped her out of that memory. Um, he's whining about having too many lines to learn. Uh, we learn that Princess Carolyn is in Eden, North Carolina, which is also where she's from. Um, but Bojack isn't really interested in what she's up to or why she's not there, just that she isn't there. He's moaning about Mr. Peanut Butter being more popular on set. Um, he notes that he bought the crew a food truck saying, quote, from your favourite star, but naturally everybody assumes it was Mr. Peanut Butter rather than him. Um, <laughs> Princess Carolyn notes she'll be back in LA the next day to sort things out, um, but she's in North Carolina to, quote, take care of family stuff. She hangs up on Bojack, basically leaves him after to deal with his little petty problems himself, uh, and she pulls up outside a restaurant where she meets, as the synopsis told us, a pregnant teen. Uh, short, but far from sweet in the cold open here. Yeah, I mean, basically, when the cat's away, Michael, <laughs> the horse comes out to play? Is that what that? Does that work? When the, cat's, when the cat's away, the horse will bitch on. The horse will have a moan. Um, <laughs> but yes, we get a quick... Uh, I guess they, they do a good job here of establishing what's going to happen, because... As we know, Princess Carolyn, heavily involved in the production of Philba at this point. Uh, two of her clients in there. Obviously, Diane, who was a former client of hers, now in the mix, working on the show. A lot of juggle here. Uh, and what, what, one of the key players is just deciding to take a little step away for a quick bit. And what could possibly go wrong? As Bojack says, when she says to him about, you're going to have to sort your own shit, basically, in this episode. He was like, that sounds very much like me. <laughs> He basically sounded exactly how I imagined I would talk about him if he wasn't in the room. It's going to be, it sets up a running theme, but already it's great to see that like instant reliance get pied off when it so rarely is. We're so used to Princess Carolyn, like not only having to take these calls, but then firefight subsequently. There's something really cathartic about her putting the phone down to deal with her own day. It was just, it was quite nice to have, obviously, you know, we're going to get to much more of that, but uh, it was for like there was a, a sense of dramatic irony about it like oh, finally finally she's having one for her and just you know i guess if you've watched bojack or listened to this podcast long enough then i guess you probably know if flashbacks are involved michael 
it's never normally great, is it? <laughs> nothing, nothing but treasured <laughs> memories. Um, before we get to more of them, we go back to the present, where the episode starts properly with Princess Carolyn and the woman who we come to learn is Sadie. Um, she's a teenager who's uh, pregnant, and we are kind of led to assume, based on the conversation that they've been set up somehow by the adoption agency, um, it's clear Princess Carolyn is there predominantly to discuss adopting the baby. There's a, a level of assumption that she's got in her speech that she's going to be successful. Um, uh, but she's rang again before they can really get into the meat of it, this time by Diane, who's annoyed f really fundamentally that Philbert makes no sense whatsoever. She wants to have a scene where Philbert skids off the roof of a building on a motorcycle, but Flip just doesn't take her ideas. She's not being heard on set. Um, Princess Carolyn tells us to just make him think he pitched it by making Diane think she came up with the, that idea uh, it's quite it's quite a sweet moment between the two certainly um princess carolyn is most respectful to diane of the people she speaks to on these calls clearly understanding the plight of another woman in a room surrounded by idiot men but that's potentially diane's solution to her mini problem and the phone goes down again um sadie notes kind of cautiously at this point having spotted princess carolyn already take a call that she has met with other couples but she does like that Princess Carolyn is local. She's from Eden. She understands the um, the makeup of the town. Uh, it's a little awkward in truth. They do that very lived in real moment where two people who don't know each other well take a drink at the same time. It is quite ironically a pregnant pause. Um, but Princess <laughs> Carolyn is trying to convince her that she's not like everybody else in Hollywood. She's not like the others in Los Angeles. Um, on account of her background, on account of her understanding of the locale. Um, Sadie goes to the toilet, uh, and in that time, Princess Carolyn's phone goes again. This time, it's Mr. Peanut Butter. Unlike Bojack, and again, it's always the great yin and yang that we like to talk about on this podcast, he's having an amazing time on the film itself. <laughs> he couldn't be happier with his lot. He loves the free food truck that he assumes came from his Peter Scolari, his favourite star. Um Mr. P Mr. Peanut Butter does ask about wanting to improv his entire dialogue because Diane's wrote it. He doesn't want it to feel awkward, but he does want to make complete wholesale changes to everything that she said his character should say. Um, Princess Carolyn advises him to just go along with the lines. She understands that it's probably not even going to be Diane's input. It's going to be Flip's script. <laughs> By saying Flip's script, she opens the door for Mr. Peanut Butter to say, got you, flip the script. So he gets the answer he wants. He uh, just goes on having the best day, uh, goes ahead with his intentions to just change everything. Um, he's had the chat that he needed with Prince <laughs> Carolyn, unlike everybody else she's spoken to so far. Um, Sadie returns from the toilet, at which point Princess Carolyn hangs up on him rather abruptly, saying, got to go. You're very funny and talented. Goodbye. <laughs> which is, uh, again, about which is nicer than she would be to Bojack's ego, at very least. Um, Sadie's got to leave. She's got to go and set up her clothes bedazzling booth that she's got at a flea market. That's what she does for work. Um, giving Princess Carolyn a bit of time to sort of stare off into space as Sadie leaves the restaurant at a cleaner. That gives us our next flashback. It's a flashback to Princess Carolyn cleaning the floor of the big house next to the garage that she lives in um, because her mother is too drunk to make the, the cleaning commitment she's got that day. Um, Princess Carolyn, it, we find out through some dialogue between Princess Carolyn and the son of the rich family that live in the big house that she's the last not to leave living uh, with her mother for her father, who lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, she's obviously wanting to show a bit of support to her mother, and it turns out, maintain a bit of a flirty relationship she's got with the son. Um, he's talking about 
wanting to become the starting quarterback for the local football team. And um, Princess Carolyn, showing signs of the PC that we know well, gives him the pep talk, tells him to not leave until she, he gets that yes. Um, it's that sort of spirited conversation that we've seen her give to so many other people that snaps her back to the present day and she goes to catch Sadie herself. She realises that the conversation in the diner has perhaps not gone quite to her liking. So she goes off to try and get that yes, to try and confirm it. Um, but in the meantime, she gets a call off Todd, who confirms that Flip has come up with a motorcycle stunt, which has Todd extremely stressed about the funding from whattimeisitrightnow.com, um, about all various insurance worries and all things like that, should Bojack get injured. Um, but Princess Carolyn at this point has realised that in order to get the yes from Sadie, she needs to stay in North Carolina for another day. Um, she puts her going back to Hollywood for 24 hours because she's going to go to Sadie's stall tomorrow. Um she rings the utterly useless Stuart um, to change her flights, but really has to talk him through doing every bit of the job himself because she can't do it. Um, but the good news is, is that she's got that kind of that next day with Sadie. She hasn't got a yes, but she's got, yes, I'd like to see you tomorrow. It's stressful. It's Princess Carolyn's life as we've seen it a million times before. But she's trying. She's trying so hard to put that life to one side to show her, a different version of herself for Sadie. She knows, she's aware suddenly that she's the one on show. She's the one being judged more than the idiots she typically represents. Mm, and I think you find yourself in this episode, so far at this point, uh, kind of, I feel like we're Sadie when we're watching mm. Princess Carolyn in this episode. Because there's a lot of things she does where you think, oh, maybe that's a good quality to have. So, like, she always answers the phone to, the, to our colleagues um our, our clients rather and seems to find a way to solve the problem no problem mm. like no, no, no matter what uh, she can she can put out the fires even if she is kind of trying to do it quickly so she can get back to her own life uh, which is kind of stuck in the middle of and so she wants to go and fully focus on this one thing but of course we all know that she is very heavily invested as a solidly great working woman um but you're constantly thinking did that look bad or did it look good like yeah. did it could, did that come off the way maybe you'd want to see come off? Or is that going to suggest, is this woman too busy to be a mom or sort of thing? Or does it show that she can do loads of things at once? Ergo, a good thing to be a mother. Like, it's essentially feels like all her children ringing her one by one. Mm. And her essentially sorting these problems out. Although sometimes, because she's trying to get back to her actual, <laughs> her own personal issue at hand, maybe is quickly ushering them off with good to semi not great uh, advice it's firefighting at best and you're not even sure if the flames have been doused they've just been they've just distracted people from the smoke for a few minutes it's i want to give credit to the the scripting and the animation of sadie in these early scenes because i think you're exactly right they the dialogue they give her and the way they animate her definitely makes her an avatar for us even though we know princess carolyn better than her far far better than her yeah, we know yeah. we know the balance and actually she's trying to like create in front of Sadie but they kind of they animate Sadie to have quite like uneasy eyes like mm -hmm. she kind of like not shifty. body language too yeah the body language she's extremely defensive she's not stupid she won't be patronized um or indeed catronized and it just sort of the way she shifts uneasily sometimes um shows that she doesn't yet have again it's back to sort of dramatic irony she doesn't trust PC as much as we would. We'd we know that Prince Carolyn leads this life and we'd still be like, Sadie, give her your baby. Things are gonna be fine. But Sadie can't be expected to know that. And it's very interesting suddenly trying to read Princess Carolyn 
differently through City. Mm. And on top of that as well, just before we move on to the next part, like this is one of the one of the earliest examples, if the first maybe I can recall, where the Hollywood bullshit isn't going to work. Like mm. it's not going to work. Like it gives us someone outside of the Hollywood bubble. You know, yeah. we're in North we're in North Carolina, as we've kind of given through the context clues and stuff, and like all of the usual. Do you know when someone will just say something because it's there to be said and nobody questions it? They just go, "Oh, that's just the thing they said." Like mm. she picks up on certain things that Carolyn says, that she, and then Princess Carolyn suddenly is realizing this isn't going to work. I can't just smooth this over with smooth talk. Like they talk about the California Burger Kitchen, don't they? Yeah. Uh, she's like, "Or oh, or do you just call it the Burger Kitchen because you're in California?" And then she's like, "Oh, we call it CBK," and she kind of tries to give her the like this sort of. At, we're cool because we're out there in LA, and she's like, "What? Who hasn't got the time to say a California burger?" Yes, yeah, a few extra syllables. Like, yeah, little yeah. little questions like that that maybe are making. It sounds like a tiny thing, that, but it, these are mm. little things where it just shows you the difference in perspective. Like, are you too busy? Because really, it's just one like phrase you could easily say. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting seeing it through Sadie's eyes for a change because I think we kind of have become accustomed to and have kind of normalized mm. the way of the Hollywood bubble. And it's nice to see them come out and it doesn't just work the way they want it to. It's You're really dull to it. And I think every single time they lift a character out of that world, you see it and it's stark. I'm thinking of Bojack fixing the house up um, by the yeah. lake or Diane and her one trip away and how much she, every time she tried to lift herself like away from the light that she was used to, how stark the differences were. Like it, it's, it's very effective. I think you're right. That per that example as well. It's not wasted dialogue. That it's about. It's about well, you know. It's not that flashy. It's not that clever. Um, yeah. But it's just kind of take as take for granted and take as read in the typical dialogue between the characters. Mm. Um, should we have a flashback? We should yeah. have. I mean, I can't so, imagine anything bad's going to happen. <laughs> should we have a flashback? Um, we're back at in the living room that we saw Princess Carolyn clean before in the big house. Uh, Cooper Wallace Junior which we can see Wallace on the back of his uh, football jersey, bursts into the room, the, uh, the son of the rich hair, uh, the rich sort of um, family that uh, Princess Carolyn cleans for, uh, has made starting quarterback after taking her advice and not taking no for an answer. All is well in a flashback for a change. Um, they kiss passionately, which fades out of that flashback and back into the Amelia Earhart story playing in the garage. Princess Carolyn is sneaking back in. It's late at night. Um, but she wakes her mother, who chastises her for applying for UCLA. She'd done it possibly behind her mother's back. Um, really, it's not just a bollocking for applying for a college in Los Angeles. It's a bollocking for believing that she can do more with her life. Her mother goes into a great deal of detail about how they're ultimately born under a bad sign compared to the wealthy, compared to the good and the rich and so on and so on. And they're just their numbers just don't come up in the same way. Um She's making it all about her, and ultimately Princess Carolyn has to just stand there and take it. She's projecting what she believes to be a failed endeavour of a life onto a young daughter. Um, we get an interesting transition here. It's Princess Carolyn's phone, as it always does through this episode, snapping her back to the present day. But it's done through the distortion of the uh, the television that was that was broadcasting the Amelia Earhart thing. I, I couldn't spot how that kind of like referred to anything else, but I just thought it was quite a neat way of doing it. But it flashes back to present day where Princess Carolyn is back uh, on the phone because um, Bojack's calling, um, still complaining about Mr. Peanut Butter being popular. Uh, he's also fired his stunt double, which is not ideal because he's got to do flip's idea of a motorcycle stunt. 
Uh, he needs Princess Carolyn to get him out of it. He doesn't want to admit that he's afraid or be seen as a coward on the set. So he needs her to somehow make the right phone call to make it seem like it's her choice rather than his. She frustratedly agrees to handle it, uh, but calls Bojack a bitch in front of Sadie, uh, which continues the awkwardness between the two of them. And then she has to fake like a bye bitch as if it was like a, a friendly gesture between the two because she's at the flea market. She's there to see Sadie. She's making good on her word while still having to deal with Bojack like BS. Um, Things take a turn for the better, pleasingly, between the two. When Princess Carolyn helps her sell some of her bejeweled clothes, she kind of like does that bit of sales pattern with one of the customers that's browsing, says, well, I'm going to buy that, so you can't have that one. Immediately, Sadie starts making sales. Uh, you know, Princess Carolyn has just tried to show a bit of willing. He told her, basically just did everything she could to help her on the store. Um, Sadie has to take a break because she's tired just from working all day while pregnant, which leads to a flashback that reveals Princess Carolyn was pregnant to um, the tryst with um, the sun has gone, well, either not great or well, far too well, depending on your stance on that sort of thing. Uh, her mother thinks it's gone well. She's absolutely thrilled about the prospect of this being their ticket out of their life they're stuck in. Um, Princess Carolyn is substantially less so. Um, her mother notes that the rich family will help, will kind of get them out of financial bother forever. But Princess Carolyn is just in floods of tears of what she believes to be her life potentially over. To this point, she gives her mother gives Princess Carolyn the necklace, which of course we later learn was cheap costume jewelry. This is where her mother gives her the story to try and big her up about this coming from a long line of strong women. Um, but she's kind of like gives her it with the the burden of quote, "This is our shot. Don't blow it." Okay. Uh, back in present day, Princess Carolyn agrees to attend a church potluck to meet the rest of Sadie's family. Um, where when she arrives at the potluck on the night, because we kind of cut straight to it, she admires a rare glimpse of the stars in the night sky that she can never see in LA because obviously the streets are always far too lit up. Um, the sky itself is one more transition to the past where Cooper Jr. tells Princess Carolyn, sorry, Cooper Sr. tells Princess Carolyn exactly how life is going to go for PC and Cooper Jr. and indeed the baby. It's... Uh, it's, it's played for laughs a little bit. We get some good, which gives Princess Carolyn a smile, followed by something truly awful and hideous, which reminds her exactly what life she's sacrificing. It's just one thing after another after another. Um, it's mostly awful, but ultimately it is very planned. Um, she'll be financially covered for the rest of her life because, and this is important, the family will always have money because they make answering machine tapes. And there's always money in answering machine tapes, isn't there? Um, a phone call, again, snaps Princess Carolyn back uh, to present day. We're going quicker in, in between the flashbacks. And it's Todd again. Uh, <laughs> we'll do this one. It feels like a good point to stop. It's Todd again, panicking again, because Bojack is badly, badly hurt from the motorcycle stunt gone very wrong. We see to uh, Todd pacing back and forth as Bojack is just mangled and jagged on the roof of a car that has been smashed in from the weight of a falling horse and a crushed motorcycle under its front wheel. <laughs> Princess Carolyn, of course, has completely forgotten to handle it as she said she was. That's the one thing that she hasn't quite gone right. <laughs> Diane is hovering over Bojack's body, feeling incredibly guilty. Todd's stressed. Princess Carolyn sends Todd those details to a specialist that will wipe out Bojack and all their problems with so many painkillers that it'll keep him high for the next few days. Uh, it's a time buyer at best. Um, Princess Carolyn cuts Todd off because strip, 
the father of the baby arrives at the potluck. Um, let's take a break there before we talk about the strip because yeah. the, the sort of pullback and reveal of a broken Bojack underneath this smashed up car because indeed PC has finally, for maybe one of the first times in the history in the show, forgot to do something. She's not done something, and the net result is a, a horseman falling from a building on a bike onto a car. I think what she has actually done, she's by not being a manager producer for for one instance, mm. has inadvertently become an artist and created an accidental renaissance. When we go to that <laughs> scene, when we go to that scene of Bojack, everything in this scene is crazy. It's like Bojack's on the bonnet of a car. Todd's flipping out on the phone. There's people in the background who are just like in shock of what they've just witnessed. Diane is like equally like disturbed and concerned for her friend. And she figures he's basically dead. <laughs> like as the guy we always see who's the like sound engineer with the sleeveless top and the ginger mustache and the slick back ginger hair we've seen. He's a like white sleeveless top. He's having one of the worst times. He's like wheeling this. He has to deal with the mess of like the motorbike and it's just the whole thing. It's just a flip. McVicar's just standing there sucking on a lollipop, just confused about what's like a nice pop of confused about what's going on. It's a disaster. It's absolute chaos. It's absolute chaos. And this is exactly what I would imagine would happen if Princess Carolyn took the day off because she's the best, obviously. But this one moment where she's trying to do something for herself for a change has ended in a compromise between the two lives and we're already seeing this is just her thinking about adopting a kid and technically even though it's hard to pin it all on her at this point <laughs> her work life has suffered as a result yeah. which is not a good omen I don't think carnage and chaos in the wake of her forgetting to make one phone call sums up like the kind of that like gossamer thing uh, sort of like platform that all of Hollywood exists on and would just fall through if it wasn't for the Princess Carolines of the world. Um, the reveal first of the baby and then the life she's set to have as the, I guess, the pregnant yeah. girlfriend of, of an heir to a fortune. It's played a lot for laughs. I think in a way to, this is just sort of my take on it, to kind of take the heft out of it a little bit. I think... What you said was spot on. Flashbacks never end well in Bojack Horseman, but they are trying to paint a life marginally better than Bojack's. That that was my takeaway from this. I don't think I don't think through the scripting they would be quite as kind to you if you were living through Bojack's eyes. They want Princess Carolyn to be a marginally more developed person, a person that's got a bit more inner strength because it all wasn't not all of it was ripped out of her in her youth like it was Bojack. And I think that's why they they kind of like put the jokes in. As much as, you know, we see this as potentially very damaging, knowing that the life that Princess Carolyn is going to go on to lead, there is a certain comfort for the viewers in the form of financial freedom. Yes, emotional misery, deep-rooted sadness, regret, shame, anger. But the mother's not going to starve. And they sort of counts for something. They are trying to like play with the, the scales of life a little bit, I think, in that scene. Yeah, really importantly so as well, because I think that giving you these two options and showing you that the difference between generations as well, which is obviously hugely important in this show, they do it time and time again to show you how generation before had some sort of impact or a huge difference in opinion on certain things. If this was Princess Carolyn's mom, like 
then she's over the moon. Like if it was her, because she's set for life. She's marrying a rich guy and that's the end of that. She's going to have kids. And essentially this has changed the, the tracks for yeah. the family's history. Now they're rich and now off they go. For Princess Carolyn, who we have watched is obviously in awe of someone like Amelia Earhart, who she's watching on this, on this video tape over and over again. That's not what she wants. She wants, she wants to fly. She wants to have her independence. She wants to do her own thing. She doesn't want to be relying on anybody, whether it's her mother or whether it's a rich man. She wants to do it herself. So on the one hand, like, yes, she's staring down the barrel of a gun of like, this is going to be your life and financial stability. And But this man gets to dictate every single thing you are going to do for the rest of your life. Or the alternative is you try and figure it out a different way and you continue to do it yourself. And it's like, Amazing to see the different attitudes of the two women, mm. even just like in one generational gap. Um, because obviously this would have been the jackpot back in the day if, if yeah. with the way society was, of course. Um, or certainly it would have been pitched as the jackpot, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, but we did get, just to kind of touch on Carolyn's mom there as well, like there's a, the manipulative streak she has, isn't there? That's like, yes. a, yeah. and in a weird way, Somehow Princess Carolyn has turned that manipulative streak into a, one of her skills for work. But mm. we don't know necessarily if it's being used yet for like negatively on people she would care about outside of her job. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think that, yeah, because Princess Carolyn gets what she wants out of people in the way that she probably felt like she once had to give her mother what she wanted. Yeah, her mother is often on the verge of going full Beatrice about something. And then very crucially, as Princess Carolyn bursts into tears, she shows empathy and she tries, she fails a lot, but she tries to understand. Yeah. She tries to see things through a different generation's eyes, through her daughter's eyes. Um, and that's such a stark difference. Again, that's like another way that they're slightly kinder to the life of Princess Carolyn in the flashbacks and they are Bojack because it's almost like when they do that, when Bojack looks sad in a flashback, you're screaming for somebody to show empathy and mm. they tend to double down and the characters get crueler. Um, yeah. Or indeed in Beatrice's flashbacks, you know, like the, you know, with her, with, with Butterscotch, for example. And I, I quite like that because I think there was, there was more shades of grey here. And I think that speaks to what you say. Like, you, you wouldn't want to call Princess Carolyn manipulative in a job, mm. but you'd have to find shades of grey to describe the way she does it, the way she does it as well mm. as she does it. Absolutely. And the whole thing, just this little slice of Princess Carolyn's life, again, the generational thing coming into play here. She is, what, the third of our core main five characters who we are now mm -hmm. getting to see the the parents or the parentage of and how yes. it has affected her. So we've seen Bojack's with his parents. We've seen Diane's a little bit with mm -hmm. her mom and dad from back home and her brothers and stuff. And now we're getting Princess Carolyn's like... I always think about the Philip Larkin man. There, they give up your mum and dad, or yeah. And this is like a lesser version than Bojack's, but you can see the things that are at play that the kids are having to deal with, and how it has sort of shaped her mm -hmm. in the future. Which is all hugely great for us, who are nerding out on the narratives of these people. <laughs> well, and you've given me a segue. Let's talk parents again. Mm. It wasn't the strip arriving at the potluck, and um, the father of Sadie's child, um, to. <laughs> kind of sort of half invest in a future he loves her in a way he wants to raise the baby maybe it's all very one leg in one leg out um but fundamentally he doesn't think he wants her to give the baby up for adoption anymore 
Um, she said he is suddenly quite unsure about this with having strips show up. Uh, and a crowd gathers around the whole scene because, of course, it's full of Sadie's friends and family and everybody knows everybody in this small yeah. town. Um, so Princess Carolyn can't really get a word in Edward. She has no power over the situation. She's just been physically pushed to the back of this crowd. Um, and as she finds herself at the back of the crowd in the hustle and bustle, segues into our next flashback where it is revealed, very sadly, that Princess Carolyn has lost the baby. Um, a mother, again, is more furious than anything else at first that Princess Carolyn has, quote, blown it, despite the fact that she's explicitly asked her not to. Um, but she simmers down again as Princess Carolyn breaks down. It's the tears of her daughter that make her find of her empathy for her daughter's own sadness rather than her selfishness. Um, and then in a genuinely sweet moment, um, if only to at least turn Princess Carolyn around in the moment, she shows her some mail that she'd received a couple of days earlier, which is an acceptance letter and brochure for UCLA. Princess Carolyn has gotten in. Um, it's one of them moments where, again, it's kind of like her trying to do right after not really believing she's done wrong. She doesn't see anything wrong yeah. in Princess Carolyn for losing a baby, as awful as that sentence even sounds. But she thinks, oh, well, now that's not worked out. I can give you this. It does feel conditional, which is mm. weird and it's awkward, but we get the, I guess, the quote, happy, happier ending. It's I guess, for better than nothing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's um, a phone call. Again, snaps back to the present. That phone won't stop ringing. It's Diane feeling terribly guilty about the stunt going wrong. Um, Princess Carolyn reminds Diane again, it was Flip's idea which solves that. Diane, again, doesn't get it until Princess Carolyn basically has to bollock her in and understand what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> that, seem, that seems to park Diane's guilt for the time being. We're back in the diner um, where Sadie meets her and notes that she hasn't decided what she's going to do about the baby just yet. She's um, confidently non-committal about her decision with the baby. Um, she asks Princess Carolyn honestly if she did like her clothes, which Princess Carolyn says yes, and then has a follow-up question. Well, why didn't you buy any? Um, it kicks off a fairly scathing review of Princess Carolyn by Sadie, in which she thinks that she's bullshit. Um, she says that she's not stupid, and she's seen a bullshit everybody all day, so she knows what it feels like to get bullshit. All of a sudden, all of these calls, all of this firefighting, and indeed the injured Bojack that Sadie doesn't even know about, has been reframed, not as Princess Carolyn spinning plates, but just bullshit one yeah. end of the phone so she can spin the plates on the other. Um, big moment. It feels like a pullback and reveal moment here for you to suddenly see things clearly through Sadie's eyes. It's again, very like they make it as clear as they possibly can that Sadie is far from stupid, this backwater mm -hmm. which isn't ideal. When Princess Carolyn leans on saying how she wants to give the baby a better life, she kind of uses that as a defense strategy to kind of fire back and, not in a confrontational way, just in a way that she genuinely she can be what's best for the baby, which understandably Sadie kind of resents the implication of. Um, Princess Carolyn elects not to fight this particular battle and resigns to losing it and perhaps even losing her opportunity to, to raise this baby. But she's very, very clear that uh, before she leaves in telling Sadie that she must live her life for her, uh, not for her partner, not for the baby, not for anybody else. Live your life for you. Um, we see Princess Carolyn back sat outside the old house, which again is still left derelict. Um, when Tracy at the adoption agency rings to let her know that Sadie is going to keep on looking. Um, she did it terribly. Of course, she does the staff there as bad as Stuart. Um, 
so Princess Caroline elects to go home. As she's waiting at the airport, um, Bojack calls her from the hospital. She's immediately very apologetic and quite panicked about what state he's going to be in. But he's so buzzed from the drugs that he's been given that life couldn't be better. Absolutely no complaints at all. Even ends the call by saying, back on top. He's, uh, he's in like one of those sort of like, I don't know, like a kind of a girdle, like a brace. He's in the hospital bed. He's absolutely for the want of a better phrase, but like he couldn't be happier with his lot. Um, and as there's a final call to board for Princess Carolyn to go back to Hollywood, we get the final flashback of the episode. It's Princess Carolyn leaving for UCLA all those years ago. She uh, hugs her mother tightly as they prepare to say goodbye. And then as soon as they say goodbye, her mother begs her to stay. Just for one more year, just so things can get a little bit more sorted out. What's a year? You know, Hollywood will still be there, all that sort of thing. Uh, Princess Carolyn says no. She's literally about to board the plane. So her mother says, quote, please can't you just do this one thing for me? Uh... That's, where it, that's where it tips over from awkward, like, guilty requests into emotional blackmail. Princess Carolyn says sorry and boards the plane, just like Amelia Earhart. We see the plane flying off into the sun as the credits roll. Um a big ending, again, a one that's there to kind of, not wrong foot you, I'd say. She's not impressed Sadie enough to get the go-ahead and not get the green light for the adopting the baby. But it wouldn't be Bojack Horseman without there being a sting in the tail. And the sting in the tail here is that Princess Carolyn had to reject her mother's most earnest and, in a way, cruelest request to stay just to go and live the life she's now got. The life that has cost her the thing that she desperately wants. So... Was her mother right all along? Does that family not get to get what she... Does that family not get their numbers come up? You know, like, it, to use that analogy that she went, if this is the life that she's chosen, look what she had to do to choose it, and mm. it's still not worked out for her when she wants this baby. There's something really brilliant about the way they do this. Princess Carolyn uh, is giving up her mother, essentially, mm-hmm. is what she's doing at the airport. And then when she when Sadie, who is essentially going to give up her baby to Princess Carolyn, declines her and she's the one who has to walk out. There's some amazing parallel here. Like yeah. you can draw so much from it. But I just think watching the sort of particularly given the show that really kind of emphasizes throughout how not ever good it is for women in Hollywood, which obviously we know. Reflects quite a lot of real life, actually. <laughs> the the magnitude of these decisions that she's being asked to make uh, and being pressured to make by, whether it's by uh, the Wallace family, um, whether it's by her own mother, who's supposed to be, you know, the one who loves her unconditionally. A lot of people leaning on her, even at, even at that young age. And you can kind of start to see how that... She's not cold, because she does have like love and art, we've seen her give it to plenty of people throughout the show, but it shows you how she has to become cold and calculated and make difficult decisions and emotionally shut part of herself off when she needs to. And then watching her try to juggle all these plates and almost she's forgotten how to be earnest, I think is the problem when she's mm-hmm. trying to get this, like trying to convince Sadie that she would be a good mother. I think she's kind of forgotten. She's forgotten what what it is to be sincere and what it is to be earnest because that doesn't exist in Hollywood. It's it's not a quality that is often, or a muscle of hers that is often exercised 
and she spent mm. so so much time trying to impress Sadie that if anything, all we all she had to do probably was be herself and just try to be whatever version she thinks Sadie would want to give this baby to, and it hasn't worked out. At the that point about whatever like whatever version of herself, mm. like it really hit me as well. They're dealing with like they're dealing with very big picture stuff in the live your life for you mm. because we've just had an episode of Princess Carolyn living her episode for, living a life for everybody else everybody else yeah including yeah. including Sadie you know when she's off the phone she's living a life for Sadie because she she wants a baby right, let's yeah. be honest about it um on the phone she's living a life for her clients for the people we know in Hollywood in the flashback she's living a life for her mother until she doesn't um in like in that big moment for her um nobody can it's a it's a human condition comment. It's a human condition comment from the Talking Horse Show, full of animals. It's as as always. Um, nobody lives them, their lives for themselves, and everybody wants to, and everybody aspires to, and everybody does the best at it, you know. But uh, nobody quite manages it. You live it for the family you are born with, or the family you end up having, or for your bosses, or for whomever. It just doesn't. Just, it's just not a realistic expectation and yet like we're all still trying to do it and princess carolyn as wise as she is to say that to sadie is doing so with the naivety to think that she's managing it managing that herself and like I, I just i love that i love that there's such such wisdom being imparted by somebody that fails profoundly to live by it uh like despite her best efforts and i just think that's like that's really like it's like I just say, it's very human condition stuff. It's very look at look at her just trying to get on, aren't we all? I, I, I really like that. I like it when Bojack sort of forces you to just have that moment of introspection through a character that you like. Certainly better to have a moment of introspection through a Princess Carolyn than a Bojack. Like that's that's <laughs> yeah. what you, that's yeah. what you'd rather be like feeling represented by. And uh, I just I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's amazing how they do that because her. It's amazing the way they show you that in life, uh, you're personal aspirations mm. inevitably can end up so you could be the most singular minded one tunneled career driven human being on earth that's great and it you know if you are trying to rise to the top but inevitably as you go up to that rise as she's found out herself starting her own agency her time isn't her own anymore because her time is divided the, the bigger she gets in that world the more clients she ends up with. The more clients she ends up with, the more demand there is. The more demand there is, the more of her time gets taken up. What time is it right now, Michael? Well, who knows? Because <laughs> the, the amount of it that gets taken up of hers leaves her with very little. As we are seeing here, she doesn't even have enough, barely, to go and just take a day off to go and try and advance her actual life outside of work, her personal life. And so, yes, she's like a very independent, strong woman. And it's not just women who have to make these choices. But God damn it, they get they get a load of more hurdles and a load more obstacles. It seems, particularly in this uh, in this show in Hollywood, and let's be honest, in real life, than what the blokes do, who just seem yeah. to just float around on the seat of their pants and have the best time ever. With their uh, free food truck from their favourite stars, <laughs> the free food <laughs> favourite star Peter Scolari, wonderful. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Shall we go and do some horsing around, eh? Speaking of fair, always stars. As this podcast has evolved, I'm always so goddamn more ready for it than the last episode. I feel like we get to the end of one and it's just like, it used to be that sort of like, yeah, why not? It's been episode 11. It's been some hard yards. Let's say it's now. Yeah, it's been another 40 minutes having to relive the episode that was hard enough. Please, (laughs) please give me some jokes and some gags and some animal puns. So you are the professional life of Princess Carolyn and I will be the stupid, (laughs) fun-loving personal life that may or may not work out well. Although saying that, that doesn't really work for this episode, does it? But never mind. Anyway, this is the part of the show we call Horsing Around, where we go back through the episode and we reveal to you all of the things you might have missed, all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details, and, of course, the Easter eggs within the episode. So we go all the way back, back to reality. Or is it, Michael? Because we're going back to the flashback is where we first start. And we turn up in Princess Carolyn's childhood home, or in the living room. I've called it Princess Carolyn's living room, but it's actually her mother's. More on the mother in due course. Right now, actually, she is, of course, wearing the necklace. You've mentioned it already, yeah. but as we first saw the scene, she's wearing that necklace, which we find out later on more about the transitional period from here to Princess Carolyn. She's also reading a newspaper called The National Scoop, which has a picture of, like, a Dracula-esque looking thing on it. It's a, the famous picture... Um, but it says boy bath has been found <laughs> and it's got the the vampire looking on. You've definitely <laughs> seen the picture of the vampire who's on the front of this magazine. She's also drinking from a bottle of whiskey, Michael, that is called Northern War 55 <laughs> <laughs> because we're in North Carolina, of course, Michael, and she's having a bad time. So <laughs> she's drinking her troubles away. Um, there's also an amazing couple of bits around the house. There's an umbrella basket or just a general bits and bobs basket that's, I guess it kind of shows you the house. It's it's left over from Christmas. It says Meowy Christmas on it <laughs> <laughs> with a cat dressed as Santa Claus, of course. And there's a sign on the wall that says it's like a stitched. What do you call them? A sign that's been stitched. You Well, that's what we're calling it for this. Um, mm. That says sanctify this sty is what it says. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, we also find out that one of Princess Carolyn's siblings is called Boots who was having a play fight on the floor with his sister over a ball of wool, Michael, because they're two cats and they want to play with the ball of wool. There's a cat, you see? You get it. You get it? Yeah, you get it. There's also uh, a random picture in the top right corner. Now, I couldn't 
pinpoint this, but maybe one of our listeners can at Podcast Horseman if you have any thoughts. There's just a random picture in the top right corner of a, like what looks to be a fish in like a waiter's outfit with a tuck, like a dicky bow tie and a white shirt. But it's in a cat, the cat, the house of cats. So, and I don't think it's a catfish. I think it's just a fish. I, I, I'm just a fish. But hey, let us know if you have anything on this. I didn't quite put the pieces together. I'll let your brain take around, Michael Hampton, for a little bit while I do the rest. There's also, cool. Have you got something? You got something? I was just thinking it would be very cat like to reduce fish to people in the service industry. Uh, we're like, yeah. oh, if, if we were out in a fancy dinner, those we fish would get our food. You know, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's actually not too bad. Um, there's also a painting on the wall in the vicinity of this fish, which is a lovely picture that you'll that you'll see uh, just above where Princess Carolyn's mother's head is. Uh, and this is actually another again, as we've seen in the show many times, lots of love for the art world. This is a painting, or certainly depicted as with a little bit more added to it, a painting uh, by Thomas Kincaid, which is called the Seaside Hideaway, which it looks all very nice and neat. A getaway, Michael. Can't imagine what they'd want to get away from in this particular <laughs> episode. Also, I just thought it was notable, there's a little dream catcher above the doorway to the right-hand side of the shot, which they're like, oh, this will, I'm sure dream catching, you know, it's like usually over the bed, isn't it, where you, it'll catch your dreams and it'll be all lovely. In this instance, does it feel like something that is preventing the dreams from leaving the house? Like you are stuck ah, in yeah. the house. I like that, yeah. Dreams is how I felt it came across, to me personally, anyway. Mm. Um, and of course, Princess Carolyn is watching the TV, t- the tape on her TV of the Amelia Earhart story. And for anybody who may not be in the know, just a little bit of information on Amelia Earhart for you. She disappeared. She was in, in July 1937 and was declared dead in January on January 5th, 1939, so two years ago and a bit later but she was an american aviation pioneer and author uh, she was the first female aviator to fly solo across the atlantic ocean and she set many other records wrote best-selling books about her flying experience and was instrumental in the formation michael of the 99s which was an organization for female pilots so no wonder princess carolyn sees her as a bit of an idol i think it's fair to say yeah. um we go across to Bojack's trailer, though, and he's on the phone to Princess Carolyn. I just thought this was great because this is Bojack Horseman. Better than the show you like, Michael, but also predominantly what is this show about? It's people in different locations having important and meaningful conversations. But as Bojack says on the phone to Princess Carolyn, no show should have that much talking. TV is a visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. This He is kind of mentioned young Sheldon prior to this, which feels like a bit of a dig also. Yeah. I'm a big fan of theory. Young Sheldon, but specifically, I thought it was a good wink and a nod to this specific show. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to the opening credits, and in the opening credits now, you can see that Mr. Peanut Butter is now part of the set of Filbert part of the opening credits because he's on the show now, along with a squid assistant, presumably who is his squid assistant helping him out, and a very pissed off looking Diane who is now stood next to Flip McVicker, who's still trying to get those angles right in the loop. <laughs> and then randomly, I don't know why, I guess just for the sake of it now, Flip is now also in the kitchen scene of the Filbert set in, in the opening credits, which he wasn't previously. It used to just be Todd, Princess Carolyn, and whoever Todd is signing the papers with in the kitchen. So, a few additions there in this episode. We go across to Fuzzy's Barbecue, though, Michael, the restaurant in North Carolina where Princess Carolyn is meeting Sadie. 
And as you first get the establishment shot of the inside, we see that there's two guys at the very in the foreground of the shot who are eating ribs, and the hog waitress walks past them and gives them a bit of a glare because she's not <laughs> happy about it, Michael. That could have been one of her friends that that chewing down on. Who knows? Um, although she must have still served them up. So yeah. <laughs> that's sad all over, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody's having a good time here. Apart, <laughs> apart from the two dudes in North Carolina. Of course the men are having a good time. Um, there's also a bunch of signs in the room here, notably in the middle. There's a one which is one of those pictures of an animal that you'd usually see if you went to a chop house, uh, where basically it shows you the picture and it will show you the different sections of the animal that are yeah. all like named and um like Dotted lined out so you can see which bits are which. Um, only, of course, this is a picture of a hog, but it's a hog person rather than an actual hog. So you've got the full arms of a human and legs. It's strange, <laughs> to say the least. Um, <laughs> there's also an award, Michael. They have the best coffee in the Greensboro High Point area, and it has been awarded, of course, to Fuzzy's Barbecue. So good coffee here. And another sign that just says, fried green tomatoes, the best in town. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously doing quite well, this one. And I love this, though, as we get to the table where they're sitting, Sadie and Princess Carolyn, we discover that the napkins in the restaurant, you know, normally you get a nap. They're not napkins. It's just a, a roll of essentially kitchen towel on a mm. kitchen towel holder in the middle of the toilet just to pull off the big reams of, I guess, for all your fingers. I just found that rather entertaining, to be honest. It kind of added the whole, this ain't a very rich town kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's also a sign, though, on the outside window, um, that basically says, <laughs> old, you can kind of read it backwards, old-fashioned bare-butt stew. <laughs> 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 Which sounds like a cracking recipe, if you ask me. Um, it's one of things if you saw it on the menu, you'd sort of have to order it, I hope somebody else was. You'd want to try you'd, it. You'd want to try it. Out of pure curiosity, wouldn't you? Bit of butt stew, some <laughs> ass soup to do and I, maybe. Um, but then, also in the window, you'll see it as you go outside, as we look back in later on, there's um, a sign that says they're hiring a hogstess instead of a hostess because the hogs, Michael, I don't know if you've picked up on that yet. It's subtlety that we like in this show. Sadie <laughs> um, <laughs> is uh, telling Princess Carolyn about her partner, though, or the, the father of the child, I should say. I don't know why I found this so funny. She said, his name's Strib. It's short for Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> In what world? I don't. It's it's one letter less, which is brilliant because <laughs> they obviously end up talking about abbreviations later on. I just thought it was amazing. Um, again, they talk about the California Pizza Kitchen, but we've already mentioned that. Very good stuff. We go across to um, Flip's office, though, and we've got Diane on the telephone. Just a quick one here. Interesting that we see uh, Princess Carolyn pay, playing the mind games and it like pays off immediately how she tells Diane to play mind games and then plays the mind game on Diane mm -hmm. about the idea being hers. Thought that was quite clever, but also something that would end up being probably her downfall later on in the episode. Um, we go to the set of Philbat, and as you mentioned, there was a food truck that was put on there by everyone's favourite star, which was meant to be Bojack, isn't Mr. Peanut Butter, and definitely isn't Peter Scolari. But... It, the truck is called, is a shawarma truck, and it is called a shawarma locust. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was excellent. Even better in the North East English accent. I was I think, just going to say, is that, the most, locust, is, is that the most like Northumberland Bojack gag we've had this far? <laughs> um, there's also a great license plate that just says, Falafel 1. <laughs> Not a great deal of thought that's gone into that. 
Um, and also, as we mentioned, Pete, Mr. Peanut Butter, we get the reveal that his favourite star, Michael, is Peter Scolari. And there's a lovely little connection here to you, me, and some outside of the Bojack Horseman crack, I think it's fair to say. Peter Scolari, to those of the uninitiated, is an American actor best known for roles as Michael Harris on Newhart. Also, Henry Desmond in Bosom Buddies. Again, um, Bojack Horseman picking these sitcom stars that you know mm. as like familiar faces to kind of fit in with the sitcom theme. But... Most notably, Michael, Scolari won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for his recurring role as Tad Horvath in, on HBO's Girls in 2000. Ah, right. Which is, of there course, a show that you have recently, for those who have no I idea, indeed, what yeah. recently re-watched just for the crack, haven't you? Um, Very good as that. I put him up there with character actor Margot Martindale, actually. In terms Blended of, uh, in the background really well. Very good. <laughs> But uh, I also have to say in this particular scene where uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is on the phone to Princess Carolyn, can we just take a moment to appreciate how goddamn effortlessly excellent he is? He walks through the set of Filbert and all of these things are going wrong, but it's it's Mr. Peanut Butter. So as he's walking through, uh, one of the light lights threatens to fall and Princess uh, Princess and Peanut Butter catches it and like slowly one-handed chucks it back up and it just lands straight where it's meant to go. There's an ostrich who's the sound guy who's got like a load of wires tangled around his neck. Peanut Butter does one hand, one little pinch and the wires drop into place off the ostrich's neck. And on top of that, there's a guy who's walking through with a plate full of falafels who like slips and tosses the falafels up in the air. Peanut Butter catches the plate with one hand and then all the falafels as they land on the plane. <laughs> Incredible stuff this. Finished off by, again, most of the cast, assuming that he was the one who got the truck, the girl we've seen in the vintage rock band T-shirt numerous times who's working on the set. She's eating the falafel, and as he walks past, she just gives him a thumbs up. <laughs> like a <laughs> thumbs up and a nod, because he's the man. Lovely stuff this. Much better than Bojack's day is going, it seems. Mm. We go to Todd's office, though. At what time is it right now from this? As he is calling Princess Carolyn. Bizarre stuff going on here, Michael. As always, we get a little bit more on something we've started to pick up on. So, at Todd de- Todd's desk, for starters, the trays keep changing every episode, don't they? We've had different versions. Mm-hmm. On his desk now is a tray that says in and a tray that says out. And as well as that, he's just randomly writing in ink with a quill, just signing stuff. <laughs> because why the hell not? Because it's Todd, of course. But on top of that, the guy who we notice is in the room with Todd all the time. Mm-hmm. The little porty fellow with the moustache and the no hair down the middle, plenty hair on the sides, look, was eating a bunch of chestnuts, I believe, last week and just staring out the window and not saying a goddamn thing. Well, this week, even better, because Todd might have in and out on his desk for his documents, but the man in the room is sat on a chair eating corn on the cob, for what I can tell, (laughs) right? And on one arm of the chair, he has a bucket that says in that is full of corn and on the other arm is a bucket that says out that he's putting the empty stems on when he's finished i love and this guy doing, i love just, him he's not saying a word michael but he's just eating food it's yeah. almost like he's taken on the gag where todd used to be the one who's eating randomly big foods of something mm. stupid in the background <laughs> he hasn't said a word he's just in todd's office eating food I don't know what the gag is Yeah, on top of this. I'm intrigued to continue watching him to see the, if he evolves any further. Um, I'd love to hear anybody's theories on this. At Podcast Horseman, please do let us know what you think. He's starting to steal focus, focus, isn't he? Like, he is. I feel, 
I found it hard to concentrate on Todd's dialogue because I was like, I just want to stare at that. What's he going to do? What might he do? And he just does He just keeps it. He just keeps eating. He just keeps eating. He needs to get himself over the chicken for days, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, but Todd brilliantly pitches a question to Princess Carolyn that had me in stitches where in her busy day, she's absolutely swarmed. Todd takes a moment out of his to say, before you go, quick, one question. Do you think Lake Erie ever gets jealous of Lake Superior? <laughs> <laughs> or is it like proud to be the Erie one? <laughs> Obviously two lakes in North in North America, not too far away from each other if you're looking mm. at a map. Um, but Lake Superior, I guess Superior, but not as Erie as the other one. No. But, but the best bit about this is that Princess Carolyn then says, we've been through this, Todd. Lakes don't have emotions. <laughs> to which Todd replies... What about Ricky Lake? <laughs> <laughs> At which point, Carolyn hangs up. But just excellent, excellent comedy, this, across the board. But we go back to Fuzzy's Barbecue Restaurant in North Carolina once again. Um, and we mentioned that window sign that said about the bear butt stew. Well, as Princess Carolyn is on the phone to Stuart, she walks across the restaurant to the other part of the window. You can't see the full, uh, what it says in the window in full, sorry, but... It, you can kind of see it. It says biscuit, and then below it, it says not that bullshit link sit, and then you can't see the rest. But if you were paying attention when Princess Carolyn was talking to Sadie and she was trying to sort of be like, we're from the same place. We're from the same place. She says the line um, when she's talking about eating eating the food that's been brought while she says, um, it's real sausage biscuit, not that bullshit link situation they call <laughs> sausage in LA. So that I assume and that's what it says on the outside of the shop. Like biscuit, not that <laughs> bullshit link situation they call sausage in LA is what they've tried to allude to there, which I, like I thought that. was brilliant. Can I ask sorry? You can you try when when <laughs> when she's passing the, the bare butt stew, is it there the second time as well? Yes, yeah, so she was in that was inside and then when she goes out you can see it from the outside of the shop. I just find it interesting that it was while she was on the phone to Stuart, who is an arsehole. So <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good indeed. We go across to the flea market. No arseholes here, I'm afraid. But there are some questionable characters, I think it's fair to say. And some stalls too, some questionable ones of those. We get one stall that is a kettle corn stall, which Michael, you'd be delighted to know, now made in a real kettle. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a stall that says, Stuff I stole to make money to buy heroin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what it is? Fair play. I appreciate the honesty. I do. I appreciate the honesty. Also, it's nice to say that Sticky Pink Candy Floss, which, as you recall, is the brand of candy floss that has been in Bojack Horseman literally since episode one. It was at his house. And again in season three, episode 10, we see the Sticky Pink Flandy Cost Company are still going strong. So good to see they're still kicking away, even down or even up, rather, in North Carolina. Um, we get a list of records as well. There's a guy in the foreground who is flicking through some records and we get a few little chuckles in here. There's one record that says Dolly Parton, which is just because I'm a sheep. And then obviously she is a sheep Dolly Parton on the cover of the record. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a one that you can see the title for Lion Adams, which is, of course, Brian Adams, but a bit <laughs> different. Um, there's Woodchuck Brown, which is a reference to Chuck Brown, which I also thought was a cute reference to Woodchuck Kunchuk Berkowitz yeah. in my head. I created a canon where it was like, is this a secret life of Woodchuck Berkowitz before he became uh, the governor of California? Who knows? There's also one called Squirrel Nut Zippers, Michael. 
which sounds like a mad band, but is an actual the name of an actual real band, a swing and jazz band called the Squirrel Nut Tipper. So there you go. Oh, okay. um, there's also another one called Stinky Friedman, uh, which is on the on the cover you'll see a skunk with a cigar, but it's actually uh, the alternate to Kinky Friedman, who is an actual recording artist. Um, and there's also one for the Monitors, which I think this is basically to suggest that the Monitors are really old, Michael, because it's a bunch of dinosaurs on the cover, but they are actually a real band, the Monitors, but dinosaurs because they're that old. I just thought, well, you can yeah. believe it. You're old as hell. <laughs> There's also some amazing um, glassware you can see in the market as well. Like Princess Carolyn has looked at one at one point. It's like a stein mug, but the stein mug has got a wine glass stem as well. So it's like the merged high culture. Wine, with Weinstein. Weinstein, yeah. Harvey oh, Weinstein, eh? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, there it is. Oh, I don't know. I didn't see him anywhere, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Um, we go to the set of Philbert, though, once again. Bojack is uh, on the phone of Princess Karen talking about Mr. Peanut Butter. It's brilliant. He says about how Peanut Butter's doing his own stunts. And every time he does a little somersault, everybody goes nuts. Like he's goddamn Kerry Strug, which is a brilliant little reference to Kerry Strug, who was an American gymnast, retired now from uh, Tucson, Arizona, as Wikipedia will tell you. She was a member of the Magnificent Seven, the victorious all-round women's gymnastics team that represented the United States. Again, Michael, another strong female character in the world of the real-life world of America, um, who was part of that team at the 1996 Summer Olympics and is best remembered, Michael, for performing the vault despite having injured her ankle and for subsequently being carried to the podium by her Russian coach. More yeah. on that in just a moment. Um, <laughs> we also see just a brilliant little funny gag here. PB having the time of his life while Bojack's complaining about him on the phone. He's getting his makeup done. He's getting his suit lint rolled. And that Crocodile crew member who we've seen a million times, uh, she was on different various sets, the one who gave, kept saying to Diane, cast and crew only a few seasons back. Um, she brings peanut butter, just a silver platter of bones and he's like the most <laughs> excited dog. He's like, Ooh, he's like super excited when this plate's coming across. Really funny stuff. Um, we go back to the flea market though, and we get two brilliant t-shirt gags here. Um, a hanging animal can be seen at one of the stalls. We, I, I'm, I'm, I assumed it was a bat because it was hanging upside down. Hard to tell exactly what the animal is, but it's hanging upside down from a bar and it keeps dropping down with t-shirts. The first one you will see as it drops down is a navy t-shirt that says, I shit you not, <laughs> rather than <laughs> I shit you not, of course. And then there's another one later on as we cut between the phone call and Princess Carolyn back at the um, flea market where we we get chastised, Michael. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to tell you that this is the end of Horsing Around because on this T-shirt is a very clear message that says, stop pausing and just watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> we knew so, this day would come. We knew this day would come. It was always going to come. Uh, that's the end of Horsing Around forever. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to Michael doing this podcast by himself now. It uh, should be good fun. No, but seriously, we do have more. So don't don't tune off just yet, because next to this, we find a stall that is just selling broken snow globes, Michael. <laughs> Bit of a niche market, this, but I tell you what, I bet you can get a few of those sold, couldn't you? Uh, mm-hmm. A few. The amount of people who have smashed a, a snow globe, that's like a, just, just the, a snowflake or a snowman with no stuff inside, <laughs> just the shattered glass. Looks a bit dangerous, if you ask me. <laughs> um, there's also a store next to that that's selling uh, mounted uh, animal skulls on, like, boards. You'll see various different ones, like trophy animals. Uh, but there's little boxes down below, little cardboard boxes full of ones full of miscellaneous mice bones. <laughs> One is 
full of ribs and femurs, as the label will tell you. And another one is just a box of your pick for four dollars. <laughs> just mix <laughs> pick one of the bones. Um, there's also another stall in the far background that's selling churro corn dogs, Michael. Um, Oof, which yes, sounds please. both excellent and terrible all in one. A bit like a deep fried Mars ball over here, maybe something as mad yeah. as that. Um, oh, I would definitely give it a try out of curiosity, 100%. Um, but then we get the Sadie's stall eventually on the flea market. And hers is named brilliantly, I thought, Madey by Sadie. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated that. Very good stuff. There's also the, the chair next to it, which Princess Carolyn takes the chair from for, for when Sadie needs to sit down, called Chair Bears, because it's a bear, Michael, and he's selling chairs. Did you get them? Of course, of course. There's an amazing commentary here on the, the wealth disparity between these two places and between Princess Carolyn and Sadie. Sadie, when she finally gets one of her jackets sold, courtesy of Princess Carolyn, she says, oh, $5 for the jacket, which, again, just doesn't really feel like a great mm-hmm. bit of business. She's obviously spent time on this jacket. She sells it for $5. Not exactly the profit you're looking for. The chair, the bear next to her, though, he's got the right idea. Although it's questionable, to say the least, the chair that he, she gives, the Princess Carolyn gives Sadie from his stall is a chair made of tyres, Michael. <laughs> just like <laughs> has crafted it out of tyres. And obviously, she can't just do that. She just thinks she can just take this chair and give it to Sadie without even thinking about it. The bear obviously comes up, wants his money, Michael. And if you see the price tag, the chair is $145, right? <laughs> Which Princess Carolyn just whips out real quick and gives him like, straight oh, away. Wow, yeah. She pays the bear $145 for this chair of literal tyres put together with wood for Sadie. Doesn't buy any of her jackets, though, which are only priced at five. How many of Sadie's jackets could she have given? And also, how much money she could have just donated to a Sadie shop instead of the bears, which kind of ends up, again, coming back to home now. We go back to the flashback, though, and we're back in Princess Carolyn's living room from back in the day. The pregnancy test she takes is called Preggy? Question mark. Um, and as I've written down here, you mentioned it before, this is the moment where Princess Carolyn's mother gives her that necklace and lies about the heritage of it in a way to kind of manipulate her, uh, which is, again, as I mentioned here, perhaps where Princess Carolyn kind of gets her manipulative skills from. Mm. Um, but a question that we don't have the answer to, we only have a pondering for, because it's mentioned that she stole a ring off her friend Evelyn when she says, Princess Carolyn's mom says, that's what happens when you put a ring on, it gets stuck on your finger. <laughs> Free ring. Princess Carolyn <laughs> asks the question, is this Evelyn's necklace that you have given her given her to? And I have to say, Michael, she looks awful sheepish about it for a cat. I must, <laughs> uh, which perhaps may be this Evelyn is the one who gave, who has had her necklace and her ring stolen. And now <laughs> is a long-term accomplice. Who knows? We go back to the flea market, though, and a brilliant bit of, or brilliant, I guess I'll let you decide, brilliant bit of thinking from Princess Carolyn when Sadie asks her what her church is that she goes to. <laughs> and she's just picking things out of thin air. And she says it's St. Mary's Good Shepherd of the Lady of the Passion of the Constant <laughs> Gardener of Latter-day Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like Constant Gardener of the film, Bell and Sebastian, of course. The, uh, <laughs> There's also the Passion of the Christ, I guess, is kind of on the Indeed. verge of. Brilliant stuff there, all put together in one random mad mess. But we do, from there, of course, go across two the second Baptist church, Michael, as it says. Very good, very good. Presumably owned and run by sheep, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> but despite the sheep, there is a dog who comes into the shot who's wearing a vest 
And that fist says, I like my racks robust. (laughs) (laughs) Take that however you will. (laughs) We go back (laughs) to, or not back, we go across to the Wallace uh, residence and we go into Mr. Wallace's office as he is talking to Princess Carolyn and uh, his son about the upcoming pregnancy. Um, inside that office, you'll see that on the wall, he has a swordfish mounted on the wall, Michael, but rather than being a swordfish, this is Bojack Horseman, so it's a swordfish person who is mounted on the wall, legs and all, looks really, really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, behind Princess Carolyn, something for our listeners to ponder, perhaps, at Podcast Horseman, with your thoughts on this one. There's two china plates that are mounted on a mantelpiece behind Princess Carolyn's head. One is a china plate with a train on it that is labelled 1970 and there's another one which is like a view through um, like the bit of a river at the bottom view through the trees of a mountain in the distance that is labelled 1975 we thought maybe there were going to be quite literal china plates with perhaps some historical references to china on either plate, we couldn't come up with anything we did a bit of homework, we couldn't Mm. find anything we thought we had but we didn't because we're actually idiots Uh, (laughs) But we thought if you had any cool ones that might be some suggestions you had, please do fire them over to us at Podcast Horseman. We'd love to hear your thoughts on those. They've got to mean something. 1970, 1975, China plates, off you go. But on top of that, um, just a brilliantly cute gag, this from um, from Mr. Wallace, as he says, don't worry, you'll have no money troubles thanks to the Wallace and Sons answering machine tape empire. <laughs> yes, as long as people need answering machine tapes, you will be taken care of. <laughs> magic and i guess it's no surprise michael why we see in the in the flashback shot any present day shots of the town why their house is completely and utterly run down and like yeah. and locked up because of course it is the whole thing it went, went wrong. wrong it all went wrong anyway we go back to the set of filbert quite a few little back and forth here but we're nearly there back to the set of filbert and bojack Another bit of a callback here from Borja. He says, as he lies on the top of the car bonnet, absolutely riggedy, riggedy wrecked by this horrible accident, he says, Oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm like Kerry Strug over here. Where's my big Russian guy? Which I tell him, <laughs> and he is, of course, referencing uh, Kerry, Kerry Strug's coach, who I physically carry here onto the podium at the end of the Olympics. Um, we also get Flip. Who was just, I mentioned it before, randomly uh, eating a blue popsicle in the background. We kind of saw this in the last episode as well, I think. He was eating mm. a red one in the um, in his office while pondering a few things. He just looks like such a baby, like just such a, like the whole <laughs> world's going on. And he's just sucking on a popsicle, ignoring his problems until they go away, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. Todd also mentions, and a great little quick gag, which I, I don't think we've heard of to this point, but when Princess Carolyn like, forgets, to make the phone call. He says, why did you forget? I put it in your calendar on our sister site. What date is it right now? .net. <laughs> Love that so, gag. But very, very good indeed. And then another huge call back, Michael, from Bojack, who mentions as he's writhing in pain there, he says, Sartre was wrong. Physical pain is so much worse than prolonged emotional distress, he says. <laughs> now, for anybody not in the know, he's referencing Jean-Paul Sartre there, the French philosopher. But this isn't the first time that Bojack has tapped into uh, Sartre's work. And we go back to season three, episode four, Michael, Fish Out of Water, right? Bojack, I believe, is on the phone to Anna Sponacobada. 
Uh, and she is busy in the middle of t- telling him that he can't go to Cannes Film Festival because the French people don't like him. And Bojack says on the phone, hey, I stand by my, my critique of Sartre. His philosophical arguments help tyrannical regimes justify overt cruelty. So this is something that Bojack really has a bugbear on. It's and has kept thing, it yeah. up. He's injecting it into this, into this show where now that was season three, this is season five, and he still hasn't let go of it, Michael. Um, mm. We're back to the Second Baptist Church, uh, and I just I've written down, yeah, that it's just a fantastic moment when Strip turns up, the knight in shining armour, I guess. <laughs> Strip, the porcupine man, how is this a sentence? Strib, the porcupine man, turns up on his quad bike wearing a vest that says, proud to be, the number two, the letter B, Strib. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. Absolutely brilliant. And we get a quick flashback once again to that dreaded living room of Princess Carolyn's back in her mm-hmm. childhood. Um, there's a real heart-wrenching thing here, but also quite funny. When Princess Carolyn's mother says, Koopas, in, in reference to Koopa Wallace, uh, she says, Koopas don't marry girls like you. He's going to end up with some fancy heiress like Samantha Floppy Disk Michael. And what <laughs> possibly go wrong there? You've got the Wallaces with their answering machine tapes. You've got Samantha Floppy Disk. Sounds <laughs> absolutely foolproof. Set for life. Set, Set for life. life. Um, we also get that UCLA pamphlet um, that Princess Carolyn gets, the sort of um, congratulations. On the front it says, Congratulations, welcome to UCLA. And it says at the bottom, so you've ruined your life. Of course, anybody nice. who is from uh, goes to UCLA is, of course, a Bruin. Brilliant stuff there. We go back to Fuzzy's Barbecue, though. Once again, I think for the last time, perhaps, in this episode. And we get a quick glimpse in the Fuzzy's Barbecue menu that Princess Carolyn is holding up. Um, it says, nothing says barbecue like Fuzzy's. And then the plates we get to see, there's... <laughs> Chopped barbecue plate, sliced barbecue plate, diced barbecue plate, minced barbecue plate, <laughs> junior barbecue plate. <laughs> and basically, the pattern follows that when it comes to trays that are below it. Chopped, sliced, diced, minced, and julian barbecue trays. And then on the side orders, we've got bare butt stew, we've got hush puppies, we've got loud doggies. <laughs> <laughs> we've got baked beans, green beans, butter beans, no beans, collard greens, collard purples. You get slow, or you've got Grammy's yams. And then at the very bottom, you get the drinks, which are fountain drink. <laughs> fountain drink. <laughs> you get fountain drink, sweet tea, lemonade, or barbecue sauce. So there you go. Uh, a bit of an eclectic menu, I think it's fair to say, from Fuzzy's Barbecue. I think they do barbecue food, Michael. I'm not sure. I think so. I like, uh, the, co- I like the colour purple as well. Yeah. Colour really appreciate that. Good. I tell you what, though, another huge pop for me, and if you missed it, you should definitely go back and watch it again. When Princess Carolyn is explaining to Sadie that she shouldn't just go back to uh, to Strib, she does like an impression of him, where she goes like, I love you, or whatever. And she sort of, if you watch the animation back, it is absolutely hilarious. Princess Carolyn pops her arms out of the side, does this little back and side movement, but then the way they've animated it, she's got her eyes crossed as well. <laughs> She looks like the biggest idiot on the planet. It's absolutely amazing. If you missed it, do go back and watch it again. It had me in absolute stitches. <laughs> there. But we go from there to the airport, of course, Princess Carolyn, uh, turning up to head back to LA. 
as a bird reading uh, Hollywood, the Hollywood Reporter as she walked into the airport uh, with the headline, Fubar on Lumbar takes out big star. And we can see Bojack in pain on the car bonnet uh, as the front page article for the Hollywood Reporter. And on the back of the magazine, <laughs> must be the show that everybody's watching me and everybody's talking about because in our world, it's keeping up with the Kardashians, but on the back of this one, it's keeping up with the crustaceans, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Because who wouldn't want to keep it at that? Keep up with those and all the in-betweens of them. There's also a giraffe person who walks into the airport who's just got four neck pillows on the neck, which oh, I just thought was a cute gag. Nice yeah. and simple, but very good nonetheless. Quick cut across to the hospital where Bojack is in. He's obviously off his nut on painkillers <laughs> and God knows what else. Bunch of balloons in the room, but the most notable one in there is one that says, get your cracked back on track. Um, just, just quite nice, <laughs> lovely stuff. <laughs> we go up, and no dodgy ones as well. Mr. Peanut Butter mustn't have got him a balloon. This mm. we go back to the airport though. We're heading towards the final showdown here, and that's this amazing transition shot, Michael. Just to kind of sum up the feelings that Princess Carolyn would have if she had stayed in North Carolina. Um, because we get a transition between you know how they've done it many times in this episode between uh modern day and the past. Well, Princess yeah. Carolyn is in the airport in modern day. We see a man uh, in a suit with a tie on and a bit of a bald patch on the back of his head. And uh, I immediately thought, well, this is a far too detailed man who's walking towards this uh, clerk at the desk. Mm. Sure enough, it pays off. The clerk at the desk is an old looking duck with glasses on and his shirt's got some stains on. But as the flashback happens, we see the transition. Those two people are shown they were there way back when, back in the day. Mm. The ball patch in the shirt with the tie on was like a punk rocker who had spiked yeah. hair down the middle. He had a nose ring and a denim cut-off um, vest that he's kind of got on, whereas the guy who was the clerk at the desk was just a much younger-looking duck who didn't have any stain <laughs> on his shirt, which was just kind of nice commentary on that whole mm. staying in the same place forever and ever. That's what people from here do if you don't get the right numbers which is what Princess Carolyn's mother was harping on about at the start of the episode. But a great sort of prelude as well to the fact that if Princess Carolyn did, did decide to stay with her mother, that could well be her fate. The same old, same old, same old for the rest of her life. Um, but then there's also in the queue, there's in the past queue, there's a man in a deaf leopard T-shirt, which is, of course, emblazoned with an actual leopard on it, because, of course, oh, it is. Um, and then when Princess Carolyn's saying goodbye to her mother... Obviously, I know that there's been the uh, parallels to the Amelia Earhart uh, story that you watched on TV, which obviously we see her fly off into the sunset and Princess mm. Carol does just that on the aeroplane and flies off. But the whole ending here felt very Casablanca-ish, where yeah, she gets on the plane, despite my mother begging her to stay, she gets on the plane and off she goes. Uh, and finally, just one last little note from the episode... Um, the final song, which has been a bit of a theme in this one. The final credit song has not been the usual yeah. for almost all, if not all of the episodes, I think it might well be. Uh, this one was a cover of Back in the 90s by the artist Alex Heflin. Uh, and a good little cover as well it was, uh, I should say the least. But there you go. Those are all of the bits of horsing around for this week's episode of Bojack Horseman and indeed Podjack. Podjack? Podcast Horseman. <laughs> the new show coming next week. Um, but we do, as I am just checking with, uh, do we have the time? Yes. Our new sponsors at what time is it right now? I've said yes. <laughs> there, but what about, uh, are we on the right date? Yes. The people at what date is it right now? Dot net have also said we can do this. Uh, it's one last thing. And then I swear to God, 
we'll shut up, Michael, about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or indeed second? I'll go first. It's just a quick one, if that's all right. Um, it wasn't lost on me uh, that they were in Eden, especially as you were referring to it throughout as a slightly poor town, maybe. Far from a garden of paradise, far from where life springs from, where, of course, it failed to for Princess Carolyn and indeed might do again all these years later. Just nice that they landed on Eden. And if you check it, it is a place in North Carolina as well. It's like they've obviously just had a nosy, just had a look and made that choice. Oh, just cute. Very nice, too. Maybe if Todd had turned up, Michael, things might have been different. Well, could have, he could have dried his hand. One, you could one pregnant girl, yeah. <laughs> and changing things around. Well, my one last thing is a bit of a, a bit of a doubler, but uh, mostly just a singler. I was doing my homework on Princess Carolyn's mother because I was intrigued by a fact that I found out about it and stumbled across another one, which I don't believe we've heard yet. But it feels too good not to mention on this podcast. Princess Carolyn's mother's name, Michael. While I was looking who did the voice work for it, uh, <laughs> Princess Carolyn's mother's name, Michael, if you thought Princess Carolyn was fancy, why not try Cutie Cutie Cupcakes? <laughs> <laughs> is the name of Princess Carolyn's mother, uh, which was mentioned in the notes, as I was trying to find out the voice actor, which is where this is all tied back to. And the interesting tidbit I have is that, of course, Princess Carolyn is voiced by who, Michael? Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris, indeed. So you will be fascinated to find out that Princess Carolyn's mother is voiced by David Sedaris, who is Amy Sedaris's brother. There you go. Ah, oh, tremendous. Love that. Really He's like come that. in with a bit of voice acting there for uh, Princess Carolyn's mother. Cutie, cutie cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and why I just say what a fantastic job he's done. Anyway, that's enough from us with all our little bits and bobs to do with the podcast. So let's just plug the hell out of it, shall we? Why <laughs> not? Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Please do let us know how you are finding the show, if you've enjoyed it, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, if you enjoy watching BoJack, if you enjoy doing both of these things, let us know. Send us your favourite bits about the show, whatever you want, any dialogue, any chat you want to have about BoJack Horseman, please do let us know. We want to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse, and we enjoy talking to you about it too because it builds this community, and that was kind of the whole reason we started this podcast in the first place. Um, we get lots of messages, whether it's in the DMs or whether it's people just tweeting at us. So obviously we can't get around to answering them all, but it's just nice to see people talking and watching other people start a chat as a result of that. But if you would like to follow either of your hosts, you can also do that too. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get our podcast on Apple Podcasts, where it'd be great if you could subscribe on Spotify, where it'd be lovely if you could uh, follow on amazon where just go for the podcast instead of making a purchase because they're probably not worth the investment um on acast where you can subscribe or you can stream through the app podcast horseman twitter account where a link will go up every single friday um ordinarily we would uh, use this point of the podcast to beg for a five-star review but not in season five no that tweet where the podcast will be linked to the acast every friday we're looking for quote tweets as uh, nicholas pointed out we're just looking for a bit of expansion of the community a bit of a uh, sort of extra sort of communication about people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and we invite you to do that with your followers 
a little quote to each just mention in the podcast. You can, you know, say anything nasty, say anything nice. That's a catchphrase of this show. Say what you like, but stick that quote tweet in there. Send it out to your followers and maybe they'll find us too, uh, which is exactly what Audrey Arnett did, at Arnett Audrey, who simply tweeted, hooray, it's Podcast Horseman. I love that enthusiasm. That will be worthy of your season five star on our Hollywood talk of fame. That'll be cool. That'll be winging its way to you soon. Thank you very much, Audrey Arnett, for that. And yes, uh, the new podcast link will go up tomorrow on my birthday. Stick out a quote tweet with a happy birthday in there and you stand a better chance of being randomly selected from the hat this time next week. You see, you've, you've spoiled the illusion now because you're telling them it's your birthday tomorrow. And we've already pretended that today's <laughs> your birthday, goddammit. So what I will say, and just add to that, is please, everybody, because this episode will be coming out on Friday the 30th of April, please do send some lovely happy birthday love towards our Michael Hanford, who works tirelessly to provide lots of information about this show because if it didn't do that, it would just be me going, hey... <laughs> It's animal puns. Do you get it? Did you get it? it did, it's train on the tracks. Like a train. Did you get it? Huh? <laughs> I could do the old, oh, it's my birthday. Say something nice. Say something nasty. That could backfire horribly. That so... could backfire horribly. Please just say nice things for one day and one day only. Just tweet nice things to all of them. At Michael Hamflet, if you didn't already get it. And let me just tell you, he's going to need it. He's going to need it because we are, of course, a spoiler-free podcast. We do not spoil Jack Horseman, where we can. Uh, well, at, at all. Of course, we don't ever rush ahead of ourselves. However, as we float across to Netflix for our synopsis for next week's episode, let me tell you, here's a spoiler for you. It's an absolutely incredible powerhouse of an episode that you are about to watch. One of the finest pieces of television. Full stop, I actually think. I would genuinely put it in that category. Um the next episode is season five, episode six, and it is called Free Churro. Bojack delivers a eulogy at a funeral. Michael, that is all we get. That is all we are given from the Netflix synopsis. And all I can say is this is going to require your time. It is worth it. It is an excellent bit of television, as I have already said, and may or may not require an extra bit of work from the birthday boy himself, then more so than <laughs> usual for reasons that will become clear next week. And if you want to find out, well, guess what? You're going to have to go and watch the episode and come back next week to this very podcast where we'll be breaking down an absolute television masterpiece. I am both very excited and also very intimidated because it's that good and we'd like to do it justice. Anyway, with that said, happy birthday once again to Michael Hamlet. I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.